This episode is brought to you by Ugg. Y'all know Ugg is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at Ugg.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks, man. I'm all right. I'm a little bit like, oof, been a busy few days, which we'll talk mm. about. But um, how are well. you? You looked very like, you looked, you actually gave me the Carlo Ancelotti eyebrow when you were doing the intro then. You were like, hello and welcome. Well, I'm just, I'm in my bag. That's why. Thinking about how Real Madrid are going to score goals when Jude doesn't score. Well, there it is. I've said, I said it. We, well, look, it's nothing new. We all said it. Like, it's a mainstream problem. If I was, if I was Marcus Rashford's agent, I'd be uh, shoving him in that. Anyway, listen, that's enough. I said enough. Anyway, are you good? I'm good. Yes, I'm very good. well. I'm better than good. Dortmund's title hopes, i tell you that much. Oh, but, um, stop it. Sorry. Uh, we hope everyone else is staying safe, staying well, wherever you are in the world. Obviously, is a, it's horrible right now. Mm. Just hope everyone's doing okay. Um, can I just do a quick bit of admin before we get on to today's show? Yeah. Right, his house from Friday, Ian's 60th birthday episode was wonderful. I listened to it on a train on the weekend and it was so great. He gave so much wisdom in that podcast episode. I actually wrote down, there's a phrase, there's a phrase he used, you've got to make something happen. And I actually went and wrote it down. There's a amount of wisdom. That is a man who has navigated all these challenges in the public eye. He's done all of that and he's lived it. And it's just, it was wisdom. I, I was mm. honestly talking to him. And as I sat there, I was literally writing down sentence after sentence of things going, I'm just going to try more. I'm just going to try more things that might not come off. That's like, and it sounds ridiculous as an analogy, but you know, like as, as a striker, you make tons of runs that don't work out. And I think there's times in life where there's a lot of things I don't gamble enough. Mm. And just talking to him as someone that's like literally gambled in so many respects and made the best of his talent. It was a very, it was weird because obviously I was speaking to him, but it was extremely moving to hear it from someone and just the openness. And there's, the thing that's funny about obviously working with Ian, he never ducks, mm. he never ducks the hardest question, right? Well, you get used to it because you, you, most people actually, they swerve it, but he will literally be like, yeah, we'll talk about grief. Yeah, we'll talk about, death yeah we'll talk about legacy sorry to bring the tone down but Ian Wright great at many things would make a terrible politician 
Because <laughs> he never swears the question. He never swears the question. Never swears the question. Can I just say, because like, you know, I, I wasn't on the show and I hadn't heard it until it came out like everyone else. And you being there as well. It was just really good, man. I don't want to start this show with a little bit like, oh, here they go again, telling each no, other no, how great they are. No, but no, not, seriously, I was listening as a fan and as a friend of you both. And it was just really, really lovely to hear. It was a really great, great show. I think you did great. And if anyone hasn't listened to it, please, please go and listen to it. Some people still having issues with Righty's House and Apple Podcasts. I think if you unsubscribe and resubscribe, it should show up mm. again. So uh, apologies if you're still having, that's a little bit of a bug on Apple Podcasts, I believe. Mm. Other bits of admin, don't forget to check Counterpress this week and Righty's House on Tuesday will be Flow Like Hughes, Amio Quadri joining Ian. And um, they're going to talk about Emma Hayes because yeah, big wow. news since we last spoke, Emma Hayes is going to leave Chelsea at the end of the season. She's taken the US Women's National Team job, which is mega news. Mm. We're going to leave it to Righty's House this week and we're going to re- leave most of the Premier League stuff because today's show is going to be very Bundesliga-focused. Mm. A little bit of a background. I said it was away for a work thing and uh, posted some stuff from, from, from that work thing. So I was down in um, Frankfurt and Dortmund mm. for a few days as part of a Bundesliga media thing, which was really lovely. Thanks to everyone at the Bundesliga. Just a bit of context before we move on to it, because we're going to focus most of today's talk around Dortmund Bayern. Mm. It was really interesting. A few discussions and roundtables with people from the German NFL, the Bundesliga itself, Carsten Kramer from Dortmund, <laughs> Roman Weidefeller, Lothar Matthäus, who was very entertaining. Mm. And with the, the NFL being in Frankfurt on Sunday, and I got to experience my first NFL game, which was an experience. It was an experience. <laughs> no Taylor Swift, out. though. Taylor Swift wasn't there. But um, the Chiefs did beat the Dolphins in Frankfurt. And it was, you know, it was really entertaining. I can I tell you what, like I could, uh, it's wild how quick they are in person. Like when you actually see dudes that big running that fast in person, it's like, what the hell? Olympic athletes, Olympic acceleration and power. Yeah. Bit of a sensory overload. Mm. especially coming the day after Dortmund which is also a sensory overload but in a different way I think right. but you know there's lots of space and it's just ambient noise right whereas <laughs> like any spare second that they can just drop eight bars of a tune in or get something in it's there <laughs> it's there in the NFL it's there it's very loud but really fun um, so yeah thanks to the Bundesliga for that it was really cool also, because I know what some people might think, I'm, we're under no obligation to even talk about anything on the show. It wasn't part of that at all. There's no like, you have to do this or can you do this? It was just, I think basically what happened was they'd heard me bang on about this Vita Bundesliga so much. They were like, we need to get Ryan to a Dortmund buying game to remind him how good the Bundesliga is. <laughs> but anyway, um, do we want to shout out anything else before we get into that? Because we might not have time to at the end. No, so no, we, straight in. I have to get straight sh- in. You sure? Yeah, let's do it. We can do some shout outs at the end. Because I want to shout yeah. out a couple of couple of Premier League clubs as well. Yeah, so. a couple. Yeah, yeah. Getting some wins and getting some good results. I want to release my own statement about VAR. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's get into it after this. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Daylight saving time is once again upon us, which for me is a good thing. Longer days mean more hours of daylight for outdoor sports. But if you're hiring, it's a whole different ballgame. Because even though it may feel as if your day is longer, it won't help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com stadium. Once you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology works around the clock to show you people with the skills and experience to match your job. Then you can review your list of qualified candidates and invite your top choices to apply. 
So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Stadio. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Stadio. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, man, let's begin in Dortmund because mm. the one of the most anticipated weekends of the Bundesliga season got off to a very uh, familiar start. Mm. Bayern had gone out of the Pokal midweek after a last-minute defeat to Zabrücken away. Mm. Obviously, that meant that 4-0 was kind of inevitable. Can we shout out one of Stadio's unofficial menaces, Mark Wallace? Oh my goodness, what's he, what's he done now? What's he said now? Who tweeted, after the Zabrücken game, Bayern lulling Dortmund into a false sense of security before the inevitable 4-0 win on Saturday, I see. Wow, there it is, Prophet. With Prophet Wallace. Nostradamark. Yes. <laughs> All right, so let's begin with the game itself because there was a lot of build-up to this. Dortmund looked full strength apart from missing Emre Chan in the middle of midfield. And it's someone that's actually something I want to talk about later. Mm. Bayern, a lot of injury problems, a lot of turnover, unsettled back four, Neuer coming back for Sven Ulreich now, and... Kimmich missing the game, Goretzka with a broken hand playing in midfield and three minutes in, Dio Pamecano who's just come back from injury and wasn't actually expected to even play this game, mm. headed in from a corner after he lost Nico Schlotterbeck who had been caught having a little bit of a smiley chat with Upamecano just before the corner which did not go down very well at all. So Bayern are 1-0 up in three minutes. They're 2-0 up after nine minutes, a great move yeah. this actually, a really, really Unbelievable good move. Unbelievable counter, brilliant by Sunny. Really, really good. And Bayern broke from, from their own half. Goretzka mm. carried the ball quite a lot, laid a lovely pass behind Max Sané with the, Yeah, Sané laid off for to Sané. Goretzka for the one-two, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah, you're right. Sorry, my bad. And then um, Sané squaring it for Harry Kane, 2-0, nine minutes. And you're kind of thinking, right, here we go. Mm. I'm interested to see what you thought about it because obviously I was there and we'll pick up the rest of the game. But like after... What was your what was your takeaway from the first half? Because that's how it ended at the first it half. It was mind blowing how slow Dortmund were to the ball. Mm. It was absolutely mind blowing. I don't think I saw Dortmund consistently winning a fifty fifty until the fifteenth minute. Like it was like a late challenge, I think, in the midfield, and I was like, "Oh, fine." And actually, here is the thing: actually, you talked about Bayern and missing key players and the rest of it. I actually don't think that Joshua Kimmich missing with the form he was in was the worst thing. Weirdly enough, he just wasn't performing well. So I think. Line becoming wasn't the worst problem. Goretzka had a point to prove and was superb, I thought. I thought every Bayern player pretty much was brilliant. Arguably, Sané was man of the match, but to that first half, to talk about that, you know, the frustrating thing with Dortmund was every half chance they were offered, they slashed at it. And there was a lack of confidence in front of goal. It wasn't just the obvious Daniel Marlin miss on the stroke of half time. That's the obvious one. What was interesting was in Dortmund's build-up, the impatience the impatience, Wild. get to the edge of the box and they would release a shot from distance. You're not going to beat Neuer from there. Not really, not consistently, especially once he's got his iron. Dorman players would get to the edge of the box and I don't know if it was a psychological thing, but the first time they actually squared it across the box, they got the Marlin chance, which I thought was an interesting lesson because the rest of the half, they would get to like 20, 30 yards in and then be like, they'd lose patience in the build-up. And it was almost like the worst instincts of Dortmund really took over in that game where you've got this patient playmaker um, in the form of Brandt, he's right there. 
or you've got Marlon, who's got the incredible ability to run at defences, let them collapse and pop the ball out. And it just felt like a collective loss of decision-making quality across the pitch, all at the same time, even down, I mean, this is a second half conversation, but even down to the choice for the third goal, where you have Hummels stepping forward for absolutely no reason to midfield, and then not tracking back. He literally follows Musiala all the way out. So the one-two that's played in behind him is so obvious. And this other strange thing that happened in the first half too specifically, because that was your question. Dortmund's left flank was absolutely bizarre. There were several occasions where the entire left flank of Dortmund just got pulled over and were ball watching in the central areas of the pitch, effectively giving the entire right flank to Bayern. It was the mm. strangest thing in terms of positional awareness. And the attacking from Bayern was so, from Dortmund was so narrow. This is really interesting that you've picked you up know? on this because one of the things that we... Um, Did that come across in the state? Yeah, was that totally, how you yeah, saw no, it? No, yeah. one of the, because my main takeaway from the first half was Bayern mm. made the pitch huge. Right. Yes. Absolutely ginormous. Mm. The width between their fullbacks and the width between their wide forwards and the width between front to back was gigantic. Yes. And when they had the ball, um, you'd see their midfielders push up a little bit and they almost mm. left Urschan uh, uh, and Sabitzer in the middle of that midfield without anyone to pick up. Mm. And you could see exactly what they wanted to do because as soon as those guys made a movement, Bayern were yeah. out. Yes. And this was, this, this was just, this kept happening and happening and happening in the first half. Bayern seemed to play out from, from the back and there were a couple of errors in there as well. Like Neuer made a couple of really ropey yeah, yeah. distribution yeah. De decisions. There were a couple of cheap turnovers. They didn't Min look... Kim played a couple of bad passes diagonal. Like this he is didn't, it. wasn't and perfect. Yeah. Talk yeah. about Tuchel in a little bit, but one of the things that he's, uh, he mentioned on the weekends, the difference between his English and German interviews on the weekend, by the way, was, oh wow. my God. <laughs> oh my God. This was guy, he cooking in German? Was he cooking? Sehr salzig. <laughs> There he is. My God, this He's guy had no time for Sky Deutschland oh on the God. weekend. But um, yeah, they just made the pitch huge and Dortmund couldn't figure out seemingly where to go, who to go with or mm. what. This sounds really harsh because Dortmund have actually, this, I think it's, it's really important to stress, this has actually been very un-Dortmund-like this season. They've been, on the whole, right. pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. Apart from have. a couple of wobbles, they've been pretty solid. They're not created a huge amount of chances, or they're not like this isn't the Tuckle team of what twenty seventeen, or and this no. isn't the obviously the golden era clock like golden clock teams. They've been a little bit more secure. They've looked a little bit more solid, a little bit more boring, but a little bit more business like. It's a key comparison. It's something I'll talk about later with Carsten Kramer, but what Carsten Kramer said, but. It, there's a real sense of overcoming fear there because I feel like it's just been so long mm. since Dortmund have really put in. I mean, yeah, there was the, the draw last season where Modesto got the, the late equaliser. I said to the guys that we were there with, like, they beat them once. They'll probably pick up like two of the next three. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's literally that. I think it's literally just this, this, this sense of just almost kind of like self, like, but it, it is, it, uh, you're, like you're, you're kind of, doom, you know you're I mean? kinder than I am. It is psychological. You know, in terms of, here's it, there's two aspects to this. Look, first of all, look, let's have respect for Dortmund as well in terms of what they're competing against and who they are. The quality of the Bayern squad and the quality of the players in that squad is extraordinary. Like you're up again, 
you know, Leroy Sané against Wolf on that flank is a mismatch. Okay, it just is. Coman against Ryerson is a mismatch, is an individual matchup. In terms of, you have to come out and perform to your very best to keep Leroy Sané quiet for 90 minutes, right? Even at your very... He's that's, performing so at as high a level elite. as he's been so, in his so it's, it's So you look at the margins all over the pitch and in every capacity and player for player, if you did a combined 11 of Dortmund and Bayern, there would not be that many Dortmund players getting in a combined 11 just because of the sheer quality of the Bayern players. Having said that, the one thing I will be critical of is just that positioning and getting to the ball. You know, I look at Ryerson playing in the left-back position. I wonder if Ben Sibaini with his attacking heft might not have been better. I get that defensively he might be a stronger option. Ryerson has been very good this year in many respects. I also think a game like this, you have to ask Bayern different problems. Mm. And I think Coman, we know that Ryerson can run from deep, but I think Ben Zabaini, for me as an attacker, maybe he was injured or whatever, he gives Coman a different problem because he's genuinely like a, a, a creative, a t- you know. Well, this is an interesting thing. This is an interesting thing because what I, uh, Edin Terzic made a couple of changes in the second half. Mm. And I said, I wonder, I mean, obviously with hindsight, it's really, really easy to say that. And, you right. know, managers are with the players all week. They know them way better than like two dudes on a podcast. But I just had a feeling that coming off the back of the Saarbrücken result mm. with, a, a again, another changed back four, mm. Neuer just coming back. I know what you're going to say. Go on. I, I really thought that actually it almost like Terzic had the selection inverted. So, yeah. Yeah. I think Adi Amy yes, I knew it. and yeah. Alla from the jump, mm. I think would have, and, and re- basically almost having, I think because Alla is a, I think he's, he's not as one dimensional as Nicholas Fulkrug is as a nine and Fulkrug didn't have a good game by any stretch of the imagination. But what I, what I wonder afterwards was that if you'd really just gone at Bayern, like flew at them for the first five to 10 minutes and actually had that as a game plan, right guys, let's hit them really hard. Um, because Dortmund have this, like Dortmund is a mismatch on that back four in terms of pace. Like Matt, you saw the, the difference between Leroy Sané and Mats Hummels, like Mats Hummels, you know, this oh, isn't Mats Hummels sense. from 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, st- still really good. He's been really, really good for Dortmund, but the pace isn't quite there Why, why is he playing a high line then? That's the thing. Well, yeah, you know? but... Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that if 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 Dortmund had kind of like gone at Bayern a little bit from the jump, yeah. maybe on them, stop them getting into yeah. a rhythm, maybe snatched a goal, you can then introduce those changes almost the other way around. Because what happened was in the second half, Dortmund I thought were much better. Yes. Um Julian Brandt started to really get into the game which and he struggled to get into the game in the first half you could see him trying he was everywhere by the way he looked like out of all of the Dortmund players he looked like the the most who was trying to get something going and I think he kind of there were there was a brief moment in the second half where he kind of took control of the game yes and and was everywhere circulating possession being physical great creating, coach as well yeah great, creating creating kind of opportunities Dortmund had their first shot on target, which I think was the Royce one, which. Oh, the turn and shot that Neuer parried away. Yeah. 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 And that was their first shot on target. I don't think they had a, they didn't have a shot on target in the first half. They didn't test Neuer. And I think if that goes in at 2-1, especially how Dortmund were playing at that time, it's a different game. But then what happens is you're, you're bringing on players like Adi Amy, who are, and Metcher came on as well. And I thought, you know, he played okay and he's got that presence in midfield. 
you're wondering, should we have started him? Now, I understand losing Emre Chan and you want some uh, experience in that midfield, but I feel that when those guys came on, the you game state was also, it was almost too like, Bayern were too comfortable. They were allowed to absorb possession. They got deeper. Tuchel made a change later on in the game and pushed Goretzka back into a, mid, into a back three, which turned into a back five without the ball and mm. just packed the edge of the box. Yeah. And by then, Dortmund didn't have the players on the field that right. could kind of break them down. Maybe Dude, apart from when Ala came on, but I think that, in that situation, that's when you introduce Nicholas Fulkrug. Now, Fulkrug right? got screwed because, look, it's like when, not to do any Arsenal shaming, not to do Gunnar shaming here, but there was a period where Wenger would buy players who were really good at heading the ball in the French league and then not cross the ball to them. Shamat came in, Giroud came in, these people could score great headers and there was just no crossing. And the problem is, you had full crew and they were playing so narrow Dortmund. I'm like, if you're going to play like that, you have to use crosses, you have to use width. And there was none of it. So what we saw, even the best opportunities that Dortmund had, what did they come from? Long balls, central areas, incredible first touch to bring the ball down and then like a second ball. But the margin for error for that is so small. It's so, mm. just, just to me, it's so small. So Fulkrug wasn't at his best, but he was also completely screwed by the system. What Adeyemi did, Adeyemi gives you genuine width. And here's the thing also, Dortmund had to work out which of your players is the wide player or the, or the 10. Because it felt like I didn't know who the 10 was. Royce was in the mix, Brandt was in the mix. And the moment they actually sorted it out and they got Royce out of the paint and was like, I'm the 10. And Brandt occupied that position, then it worked out. So to your point, there was a personal issue, there's a tactical issue. And unfortunately, this is unfortunately on Terzic, I think in terms of the choices, yes, it's on the players, but also I think in terms of just the spacing, the spacing of the Dortmund team, I think was what did for them. Absolutely. Mm. And the intensity was one thing, but the amount of times in that game, you rewatch it and they're just narrow, skewed to the left side of the pitch. Ironically, because, you know, Sané did his damage down the left, but actually the command flank was so exposed. Yeah, and I think the problem you know, was that I have sympathy for Terzic in the sense that like if all of these players had actually been operating at their level on the day mm. and there wasn't such a kind of like collective failure, because, yeah. which sounds really, really harsh and we don't really like to go after people too much in that sense, but I think it's, it's, it was more like these guys are better than this. And they're not and good. Every also, Marlon was not was confident. Like, every pass was kind of misplaced, yeah. slightly mm. off, behind a player, to, to their wrong foot. Marlon had a couple of opportunities that just mm. he, didn't, he didn't, you know, he's been in quite good form and he didn't look like himself. He's not and, in his and, finishing and, rhythm, yeah. And then that's that, fair to say. Yeah. the accumulative effect of that and then going 2 nil down just meant that the whole first half was just really, really sloppy. And they'll know this. These yeah, guys they, are like, yeah, yeah. these guys, pro, these guys are pros, smart the footballers, right? They the know, pros. they will, they will know more than anyone and the pro, they'll be more critical than anyone on themselves about that first half performance. There were good signs in the second half. But then Terzic took off Julian Brandt and it seemed to just kill all that momentum that Dortmund had. It absolutely just killed it. Bayern got the third afterwards, then got the fourth, another Kane hat-trick, and it was really, in the end, it was... The Suda pass in field, that just summed it up. You know, when Suda passed in field and that, like, uh, the dispossession came, I just thought that sums it up, that kind of short in these areas just a margin short and buying in that form. Look, after the Zabrokan defeat, they were absolutely like locked in. Obviously Bayern unleash, obviously Dortmund bring out another level of quality in them. We've mm. seen this time and again. And obviously, of course, Leverkusen are, you know, they're, they're, they're a problem. Leverkusen are a real problem and Bayern are not, they're not, they're not fooling around with that. So they were like, look, 
we've got to pick up points because those people find a way to be resilient. So all of those factors actually made it, you know, they made it a difficult proposition for, for Dortmund. And also in Dortmund's defence, midfield pairing as a partnership, not the, yeah. Well, this, I'm, I'm really glad you said this because I was having a discussion on the weekend about how Emre Chan is maybe, he's kind of like Granit Xhaka. Yes. In the sense that multiple managers swear by him. Right. I really Everyone, like him. But loads of people just don't think he's that great. I really now, like him. He has, he has the odd error in him. We know that. Mm. But you see how, you see how much they actually miss him when you take him out of that midfield. Yeah. Um, he was a huge, huge miss for them this weekend. Mm. And I think that it, it was no coincidence that actually that was the part of the pitch where Dortmund were just completely overrunning that first half. One of the few players they could not, they could not, one of the few players that's generally irreplaceable. Yeah, because I I feel for Sabitzer and I feel for Urschan because both of them individually have looked really, really good in various configurations in that Dortmund midfield. Mm. Um, Sabitzer's Dortmund career is obviously quite, quite young, but we, we know how good Marcel Sabitzer is. Really, really seasoned pro, very, very good player. But it was just, it felt like, I wonder if Terzic could have a bit of a do-over on that lineup. Uh, whether if he... I mean, to be fair, Brandt was kind of tucking in a little bit, but it really looked like those two were just on their own for a little bit yes, because of the yeah. way that Bayern spread the pitch in that first yeah. half. And Tuchel deserves a lot of credit for that because it was quite brave, actually, mm. with, with a back four that, you know, Upper Meccano coming back in, had a bit of turnover, all the stuff we mentioned an inf- unfamiliar midfielder. I thought Lima was just quietly really good, like he kind yes, of is yes. all the time. Locked it down. Um, and I think Bayern massively deserved it. There were a couple of chances they could have done better. Mostly, I had missed a one-on-one with Kobel. Kobel made a couple mm. of really good saves in one-on-one oh, situations Kobel was as good. well. Kobel actually. was good. He was good. Um, and yeah, I mean, another, you know, it feels like a bit of Groundhog Day for, for, for this result. Um, in terms of the bigger picture stuff, I think it was just really interesting seeing, you know, being around various kind of discussions or events that were geared toward around this weekend, which obviously the Bundesliga markets as it's, it's the classic, right? It's a big kind of, it's like when the classic happens in La Liga, yeah. you know, you get loads of stuff around it. And sitting in with a couple of discussions with people, Carsten Kramer, for example, um, Really, really interesting. And he said a couple of things that um, just about Dortmund as a club and Dortmund as, as, as a city, which I feel like, what's the, what was the word he said? He said, uh, you know, it was almost like our DNA is emotional. And it's interesting because I actually think that Terzic has tried to make Dortmund a little more businesslike this season. And, and I feel that when the, when the buying games come up, they rev- revert a little bit to learned behavior. There's, there's a big emotional swing there. And I think that what you saw, like you saw that with the Schlotterbeck thing, right? Now it's a minor, minor thing. These guys are professional footballers. You can't, like, they don't need some, some nerd on a podcast being like, Hey, he shouldn't have met, he shouldn't have smiled at him there three, four seconds before he got past him and headed in the opener. Yeah. But, so I was just going to say, if they weren't football managers, most of these German managers would be nerds on podcasts. So- <laughs> <laughs> Very true. No, but, but joking, I would, so, I'd, love to, I'd love to listen to an Ed and Terzic podcast. Oh my but, God, um, yeah. Hook it to my veins. 
and you kind of think like, does that happen at the other end? Actually, does that happen if Dortmund have a corner in the first few minutes of a game? Are they kind of being super chatty? No. Those margins in these games seem to be really, really exploited to the maximum by Bayern. And for Terzic, there's nothing massively existential about this result, I don't think. I think he's he will treat it like the defeat to any other, you know, in any other game. It's their first defeat in the league this season. Mm. Um, and they'll bank it and they'll look ahead to this weekend. Uh, well, they've got, I mean, they've got Newcastle at home on, on, on Tuesday night in the Champions League. And then they go to Stuttgart on the weekend, which will be a tricky game. Stuttgart's starting to drop points now, a couple of defeats. But it's just another one of those that puts more pressure on the next one. It's not even about the losing the game itself. It's about the pressure that it already apply, uh, It already adds to the next one. Yeah. Uh, and I think from that point of view, it'll just be really, really disappointing. Mm. Like, really disappointing. I think there's a, there's a path forward for Dortmund. If you look at, and this is the thing, we've talked about Adi Amy getting those injuries in the Champions League run. Mm. There couldn't have been a worse injury for Dortmund because the form he was in and the fearlessness he was showing. And I think there's a real thing here for for Terzic, she has to look at it and say, who are the players in my squad who exhibit absolutely no fear when the intensity is at its greatest? And then that's not to sort of do down other players, it's to look at who are the players who actually bring it all times, all occasions. Adi Amy is someone who I regard as, in terms of the mentality, who will just keep persisting, keep looking for openings. And look, Marlon's had a really, really good season. This is not a knock on Marlon. It's more like, someone who can just get into the flow of a game and take the pressure off. Because I think it was really good with Marlon. As you noticed, like last season, when other players started performing, it gave him a bit of space because he came in, there was a lot of name, there was some fanfare around him, just giving other players that space to kind of take a bit of a, a breather. And I think it's hard for Dortmund because but there is a difference in the, the financial outlay, for sure. Like we look at that, look, we look at Wolf and Ryerson compared to Coman and Sané, unfortunately, like I said, even at their best, they're struggling because they're up against two of the best young wingers in... Yeah, although I do think Marius Wolf gets a, gets a rough ride. I think he's putting some really good performances and he's one of those players that actually, he, his attitude is like, you can't fault it. It absolutely is. It's just that like, you know, it's, it's more than, to be fair to him, it's more like, because people might go after him for being X, Y, Z, actually you are up against one of the elite wingers mm. in world football at maybe the peak of his game. Like, because Sané, like, I mean, look how angry he was to come off. Sané was looking for... Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think that the way the game panned out, you might, it might have even been better playing Brandt a, Brand a, uh, Brand a little bit deeper, mm. Zula, starting Zula at right back and actually pushing Maris Wolf further forward on that right flank because I Do think you know it gives so you a not good even defensive a judgment option on him. And, that's a bit, and that right. makes that right flank very big. Um, right. And... Yeah, I mean, I think what it's really, it's really this, easy. Sorry, it's really easy for us. Obviously, we do. I mean, we, we caveat a lot of these conversations yeah. with should have, would have, could have after the game. Yeah. But I feel like the start was so jarring mm. while also being not fully unexpected from a Dortmund point of view that it was kind of a bit like, ah, oh, yeah. I just think be more disrespectful, chance, Dortmund. You know? Be more disrespectful is what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, you yeah. look at Leverkusen, right? Leverkusen have solved the problems they had previously where they had that sort of, they had that aggressive intent, but not the resilience. Mm. Go at Bayern. Look at Zabrukun. Look at what Leverkusen are doing. Look at people that actually get amongst it. That playing out from the back, some of those diagonals, they're indulgent. Bayern are playing some indulgent passes out from the back and that needs to be leapt on, right? Leap on them, they leap on others and you've got a fighting chance. And look, 
Yes, it's a horrifying defeat. Yes, it's 4-0. But do you know what? I say this all the time. Look at United getting thrashed back-to-back weeks in the, in the late 90s, what, 5-0 and 6-3 and still bouncing back. It's all about coming back next week. And Bayern, I think, well, you know, they've only considered seven in the league this year. So the defence is strong. But I think that in itself, that doesn't tell the full story of what that defence is like. There, are, there is joy to be had in and around that. Mm. The joy is there, but you've got to go looking for it. And I think if I've got one criticism of Dortmund beyond anything, it's just have a bit of patience on the edge of that area. Remind yourself you have the tools to do better in those positions because you've got a really exciting forward line and a set of options. You look at like Dortmund's squad, the attack is where it's at. That's where I see the pieces that are most interesting. And I just feel like if there's a broad criticism, it's just like you didn't give your attack the patience or the imagination to do it justice. I think that's what I would say. Um, yeah, just be a bit bolder. Let's talk Bayern because let's do it. Done a lot on Dortmund there, and mm. um, you know, I, I would say said with love. You know, love and respect. Love and, and respect because we care. You know, we want them to do well. We want the Bundesliga to do well. We want many, you know, as many people in the mix as possible. Mm. As do the Bundesliga themselves, obviously. Mm. Yeah. Um, let's talk Bayern. Yes. We've talked a lot about various players in mm. that starting eleven who played well. Um, let's talk about Harry Kane because right. this was probably the most, I think, the most complete he's looked since he's been there. Which is saying something. It's his third hat trick of this. Well, it's his third dryer pack of the season. Fifteen and ten. Um. He's now overtaken Garassi, who isn't playing, obviously, at the moment he's out injured. But he is so deadly in front of goal. It's the first mm. time I've seen Harry, Kay play, Harry Kane play live for a while, actually. And he looks super sharp. He looks kind of inevitable. Like that one where he's bearing down a goal and he just slotted it into the corner. It just... I mean, even his second and third, actually, were like training ground goals. They, he was considering this as you know one of the biggest games that Bayern will play this season. He finished them like he was in a training session. So right. cool, so calm. Um, when they were coming off after the game, all of the interactions like they really, really fucking love him there already. Mm. They love yeah, him. Yeah. They know you see how the celebrations. good he is. You see like, the celebrations. They yeah. know how good he is. They know what he gives this team. They know, like he. And if I know that this is really unfair on Nicholas Fulkrug, but I'm talking about it in a t- stylistic point of view, not specifically in an individual point of view. But you see the range that Kane gives you in terms of being able to drop and link play for those for like when Komen and Sané go right, and or but then all of a sudden he's in the box or he's linking with Musiala. His combination with Musiala is really good. Uh, Musiala actually after the game was talking about how how they're kind of how right. much fun he is to play with and how they're kind of understanding each other. Compared to what they, the struggles that they had last season, it's, it makes this Bayern team, no matter how, um, I don't know, like maybe under strength they might be with defensive injuries or midfield injuries, it just makes them so deadly going forward. He's just incredible. He's absolutely incredible. And this is the thing, to Fulcrook, look, Fulcrook has got, look, 9-11 in four for Germany. He's a very, very good forward. Great at international level. The problem for him is well, yeah. where, where they actually played his strengths, but the problem well, in those specific games. But the, um, this is not something that Dortmund don't in other games. Just tonight they didn't, or the other night they didn't. But Harry Kane is one of the most complete centre forwards of all time. Yeah. Like, yeah. of yeah, all time. Yeah. yeah, 
Harry Kane's third goal. Small thing, but the left foot first touch and the right foot finish. It's just that. It's just taking the ball that comes across goal with your left foot for a first touch and a right foot finish. There's not that many strikers that actually would do that. Mm. And that speaks to the level of confidence he has, the playmaking, the fact this man is slotted into the gap left by Lewandowski because he's doing the things that Lewandowski did. And Lewandowski maybe, if we're going to like nitpick, Lewandowski maybe was maybe dribble slightly more. But in terms of the actual sort of playmaking, occupying the entire final third, being a constant danger, um, the decisive finishing. And the reason these players are so excited is because this is a player that can take them to a Champions League title. That's why they're so excited. That's why those celebrations are so, are so um, pointed and so euphoric because they're looking going, yeah, this is the guy that can make mm-hmm. this all happen for us. This is the guy that actually, the path we were on with Nagelsmann last year um, you know, Nagelsmann to me, I, I keep saying it. I think he was figuring it out before he got sacked. I think he was finally working it out. But Harry Kane just gives them a level more. And now that Sané is in the form he's in, Coman is just, is rolling. Goretzka is finding his feet again. And this is also early in the season. But I should be making a run at the whole thing. And this yeah. guy is the spearhead of that. I agree. I absolutely agree. I also won the most Bavarian Englishman that ever went to Bavaria. <laughs> just in he's, terms already of got like the, he's already energy. got the German three down. Did you see just it when terms, he scored his, yeah. Yeah, just in terms of the low-key energy, he's gone in there and just like, there is something so, I don't know, just imagine going to work for like an organisation be like, yeah, that's a good hire. Yeah. It's a good, yeah, good hire. Yeah. He's in such good form and he's slotted in so well. You can already start hearing people having conversations about like, is he actually like, a more Bayern player than Lewandowski was? And like, people I, are like, I'm, 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 oh, I people am having like, that conversation already. I'm and the great thing about already. that is that when you say it, no one's going to get massively angry. And it's only, we're only in November. And like, I'm not yeah. saying, obviously, Lewandowski, unbelievable. And you, this is like, uh, this is big, this has got big. Why can't we just enjoy them both energy? But here's the question. Here's but the bigger the, question. Who's a better fit for their clubs? Yeah. Jude Bellingham or Harry Kane? Because that no is, that's, what, that's what an incredible fit Harry Kane has been. It's just absolutely. Yeah. And if you look at how, perfect. like, you know, the Super Cup weekend when he, when he came on against Leipzig and he, you, could, you could tell that this was, I mean, having both done that move to Germany, mm. it's very, very hard to overstate how jarring a first couple of days can be, especially if you're in a big social situation that you're not used to, you know. Mm. If you move to Germany, don't go to a supermarket within the first 24 hours of being there. Like, just order, don't do it. Just don't do out. it. Stay, like, order takeout, stay home, keep safe, right? Because if you go, if you arrive in Germany in a new country and you've never lived there before and you've lived like in a, you know, in England or in another culture and your whole life and then you have two people drive their trolleys into you while you're standing stationary in the queue without apologizing, it might, it might like, you might be like, what am I you're, doing here? You're still traumatised. I am traumatised by that. Traumatized. I mean, maybe it's a Berlin thing, but no, I'm kidding. But obviously, you know, it's hard, that move. And not a lot of people give football the sympathy for making that kind of move because yeah. of the wealth and stuff like that. But you can yeah. see this was very much like a guy in a new culture, a, a very, very distinct football culture that is very different to the Premier League. Mm. Um. But you see how far he's progressed and how quickly he's done it. He's just like, it's, it's unbelievable. It's mm. amazing. Um, but anyway, 
this wrap on that game. Mm. Um, and it was a big game because it moves Bayern up to second behind Leverkusen, who got a really good win over Hoffenheim. They were 2 0 up, got pegged back to 2 all, and then won the game with uh, Grimaldo second, Florian Vietz mm. with the opener. Mm. Stuttgart losing to Heidenheim. It's back to back defeats for Stuttgart. They host Dortmund next week, which is going to be a big game. Heidenheim go to Bayern. Leverkusen mm. host Unions. But my game of the week it was Freiburg 3, Gladbach 3. Freiburg equalising with a penalty and pretty much the last kick of the game from Grifo. Mm. And uh, just a mega, mega game. Mega game. Bundesliga at its best. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Do some Premier League shout-outs quick. Yeah, oh yeah, shout-out to Luton. Um, shout-out to Luton. Luton, who got a great point, could have been a win, uh, due, mm-hmm. um, who were not for a very, very well ahead. They got went ahead very late through Chong and very late equalised from Diaz, but still a very good point for them. Shout-out to Sheffield United. Sheffield United defeating Wolves, and that's their first win of the season, so great for them. Forest being Villa, big result for Forest. Big result, yeah. Big result for uh, Newcastle too, beating Arsenal 1-0. Uh, can I say my two, can I give my two pence on this? Can. Jordan have been fair. Yes. Uh, yes. Congratulations, Newcastle fans. Enjoy the win, as you absolutely should, ending Arsenal's unbeaten start to the season. Harvets probably should have gone. Yes, I think so. Gimaraish probably should have gone one and a half times. Hmm. And uh, I think the goal's just a foul. <laughs> it's just a foul. <laughs> to be honest, I'm not into this whole statement thing. Tight games look on balance. As the season goes on, these things ultimately kind of even themselves out. They kind of, you know, they're not ideal. And they're awful in the moment, but big picture. Arsenal's first loss of the season shows what a great start they've had. Like if we step back from it all, Newcastle winning, that reflects their resilience in tight games, which is a new development under Eddie Howe. Mm-hmm. and obviously with the resources they've got but still the way that Howe has coached them he's coached them extremely well to the edge of their capabilities mm-hmm. and then you've got Man City you know Doku Jeremy Doku just going into beast mode I mean there's a goal that he assists for I think Bernardo Silva's so you know a City winning 6-1 at the weekend against Bournemouth the thing that he did that showed me that frightened me actually when a winger receives the ball on the run and the first motion is a step over before they've taken a first touch. The level of confidence you're moving and dribbling with is just off the scale. Doku is just, I'm amazed at the speed of his development. I'm not going to lie. I'm, ex- I'm amazed at the speed of the development because often you see wingers come in and they're spectacular on the ball, but the decision-making something that comes last of all, or the decisiveness, but this guy's come in very much further ahead in his development than I expected. Do you know what it is? Step. So when Q-Tip brought, brought JD into the Ummer, 
<laughs> that is an incredible. That's what it is. Like that's an incredible this, reference. This kid can fucking cook. That's it. That was Hope Cuisine. Hope that's Cuisine it. from Doku right there. Who do you reckon's tit? Rodri. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's Ali Shahid. Oh. He's Ali Shahid. He is. You know Rodri what, is. Yeah. Make yeah. make a podcast for an audience of two. That's all you need to do, man. That's all you need to do. Uh, can we just shout out Everton very quick? Good point against Brighton. A couple yes. of good results for Everton on the bounce. Yeah, yeah. Bruno Fernandes with a last minute winner for Manchester United. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good late finish. Really good late finish. The other big game that we want to just quickly wrap up on before we leave mm. is uh, Fluminense winning their first ever Libertadores. Incredible achievement. After 121 years? <laughs> 121 years? Oh my God, yeah. Genuinely could have been about four all in this game. Loads of, <laughs> a couple of uh, really, really good chances. The post hit in the, in right at the end to make it 3-1 as well. But um, uh, Kano opening the scoring for Fluminense uh, with a lovely goal, actually. And uh, Advincula with an equally Gorgeous lovely goal. Strike. Reminded me of, like, it was very Bukayo Saka-esque. Oh yes, yeah, I see that. There's a goal that. that he scored last season, which was basically like this. But in a qualifier, what for England? No, for for Arsenal. Oh, sorry, the England one was the power drive. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. He ripped it. Yeah, yeah. But Arsenal, uh, he curled it. Yeah. The amount of bodies that this had to go through to get yeah. into that bottom corner. It was like Messi against Iran mm. uh, in the 2018 World Cup, I think, where he just bent it from like. Mm. Yeah, he just curved around five people at the top of the box. Yeah, such strike. a sick goal. And there was another one from. Um, I'm not sure who had it actually. I think it was, I think it might have been Fernandez in this, in, in, where he hit one from miles out. Narrowly wide. Went just wide, not long after Boca equalised. But then um, John Kennedy on as a sub. Uh, What's the cliche? A goal fit to win any final, but that was an absolute banger. You know, when it first lines up and it drops. Yeah. A lot of strikers go near post on that. Yeah. But he ripped it when across the keeper. And that was that was the difference. Great finish. Uh, um the best yes, bit okay. about this though. What's that? He was already on a yellow and he went gallivant enough to celebrate the goal over the hoardings, came back on, and the ref gave him a second yellow and, <laughs> and sent him off. Done style. I mean, just Done scored style. the winner for the first Libertadores in Fluminense's history. And the guy the guy fucking sent him off. But then Frank Fabra was sent off, given a straight red. I can't remember who he gave a slap to. Give someone a little slap. Got a straight red. Is it really a cup final without a melee? Let's no, like this is. It had. It's like you say, Musa. It gave me all my vitamins. <laughs> Do you know what's just so great about this final is that you had Cavani up top for Boca. You had Marcelo playing left back for Fluminense. Yeah, who's now got a trophy cabinet's bursting. Good friend of mine, Boca fan, was actually nervous about this final because he was like, we haven't really shown much this mm. year. And Fluminense managed by Diniz, who is also the part-time Brazil manager, who mm. is tactically brilliant. And I think this, went, this final went to form, but not without a fight. I think this was the expected victor, but I think the margin of victory was perhaps narrower than I might have been thought. I mean, the Libertadores is not unlike any other, you know, it's not like unlike those kind of cup competitions when you go two legs and you go to a knockout stage and Boca get into the final without winning a knockout game, mm. like in normal time or after, even after extra time. 
that's going to, when when the final goes to extra time as well, that's got to play mm. into your mind because they had all of those like penalty wins through the knockout stages. Right. Whereas Fluminense have put teams away a little bit more through the knockout stages. And I think you just kind of saw that. Like I said, they could have had that third in stoppage time as well. One that came off the post. It's an incredible collection of crowd noises in that moment of like the ooh, the ah, <laughs> the ooh again. Um, and it sounded fucking loud in the America. Hell, hell's a popping. Oh, but anyway, congratulations to Fluminense. If there are any Fluminense fans listening, congratulations. Yeah, Thoroughly it. deserved. And uh, first Libertadores in their history. Mm. And, black, and also bragging rights for the whole of Rio. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be unbearable. Sympathies to all fans of other Rio clubs who will now be in hiding for the next few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think we're going to leave everything else for this week. Yeah, uh, sorry we weren't so long in the Bundesliga, but um, you know it was just really nice to be there. It was the first time I've been at Dortmund for a long time. It's the first time I've been to a classic and since I think it was the five 0 at the Allianz in twenty nineteen. Mm. Do you know what, man? Like, we're just wrapping up and not wanting to go too whimsical or or you know I don't know woke or any of this shit. But football sometimes infuriates. Right, it mm. just infuriates, and you see the grimness in the game, and you see all of the discourse. And me and Seb Stafford Law were talking about this on Saturday because we were sat, we sat, we went and sat up in the press box quite early, and we were just having a chat. And we got we we were like two little boys, mm. honestly. We were just like, you go to somewhere like Dortmund, and there are multiple other examples of this. Multiple clubs can do this, you know. But there's something about going to a game like that having not been for a while, you know, we're not season ticket holders, you don't go every week. And you see how special places like that are and actually the experience of being there for games like that. And it's just kind of like, yeah, this is just what it's about, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And on that hideously gross, heartwarming, wholesome note. (laughs) Uplifting content of the podcast, who knew? Um, We're going to leave it there for this week. We're back on Thursday though, Champions League time. Yeah, don't forget to check Righty's House like we mentioned but yeah one more thing if you do like what we do a rating and a review would be wonderful if you're and uh, don't forget to check the Stadio Actors playlist on Spotify speaking of which we're playing out on Lynn Minor and his band track called I've Finally Found True Love it's also got a black and yellow label which is uh, ironic even though Dortmund lost the game hopefully this is a consolation anything you would like to add Musumak Wonga nothing further I'm all good All right, everyone, much love. Have a good week. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then.
This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Au contraire, you're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at UGG.com. 